Welcome to the Trends and Tangents podcast by Holler Magazine. I'm Ksenia Edwards, Editor-in-Chief of Holler, and joining me today is Creative Director Josh Davies and Head of Partnerships Tasha Tobias. As mentioned in our intro episode, we'll be using this podcast to discuss people, places, and things that are trending and the latest headlines. So today, what we wanted to focus on was Billie Eilish, psychedelics as therapy, and for the place, we're going to start with our hometown, Toronto. How is everyone doing today? Good. Busy. Print time, which is always fun, but also stressful. Yeah. You know, it's so hectic in every single issue. I feel like we say... We're going to get a real head start on it this time. <laughs> and the next thing you know, it's like one month out and everyone's scrambling a little bit, but that's just the nature of the job, I guess. Oh. Yeah, I'm excited though. Hopefully we get to shoot more original editorial this issue, which will be fun. We haven't done that in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, that was like a nice little tease last week when we got to shoot. It was. Get the rust off, get back into it, get the swing of things going. Yeah, definitely I'm looking forward to being on set again and interacting with human beings outside of this podcast because that's about it so far that's all I talk to in a work setting it's just you guys really all the time (laughs) but yeah no I felt like after our shoot I just felt my mood was so much better it was the first time being on set with you guys in over a year almost or yeah it really does make such a difference being able to interact with people I think social interaction is so important for your mental health that you don't even realize that all those times I've canceled plans or was dragging my feet to do something. Now I'm not saying no to anything. Mm-hmm. The FOMO for the next year is going to be so real. I'm exactly, I'm saying I'm doing everything, going to every show. Okay. Yeah. So that's a good segue into the first topic or person rather that we want to talk about Billie Eilish. Has everyone seen her new look, her cover story? I don't, I'm not sure if you guys have read her interview, but she says a lot of, I don't know. When I even interviewed her when she was 17, she was so beyond her years and the way she articulates herself that I was actually shocked to hear that she's still only 19. I don't know why people never age for me. I interviewed her when she was 17, so I thought for sure that was longer than two years ago for some reason. I think it's because last year felt like it didn't exist, so like no time went by. We were just in like a time warp. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, actually. I actually haven't read the any of the interview with Vogue. I mean, obviously, the photos have been circulating everywhere, so you can't not see them. And then the music video and her new single. And I mean, it's exciting. I think it's an exciting time for me as a music head. It seems like popular music might start to go back into what my personal Alan? tastes are. Yeah, so that's exciting for me. I could talk all day about it, so... I know. I think what I really loved about it is she's just, like, really embracing who she is. And I don't know if you remember the interview that she did before when she used to always talk about the idea of how she's wearing baggy clothing and people would be like, well, why? And like questioning her on it, even though it's no one's business, doesn't matter. You can wear whatever you want. And that shouldn't be the focal point of someone in that industry. But unfortunately it is a lot of the time, but now she's kind of taking a stance, you know, I'll wear whatever I want. If you want to call me derogatory terms, go ahead. I don't care. Like, this is who I am. This is how I want to be, how I want to dress. Shouldn't be anyone's concern, you know? And just kind of taking ownership of that, I think, is really cool. Um, Especially because she is such a role model for so many people. And she's genuinely one of the most talented people on the planet. (laughs) Just with her age in general, having that kind of kickback from the press in terms of what she's wearing. Like, I would feel so weird as a person within the media industry 
criticizing a 17 year old or even a 19 year old on what they're wearing and and not being sexy enough like let them be kids she's still a teen it's kind of ridiculous and it's nice to see that the younger generations do have someone that they can look up to and feel comfortable if they want to dress a little bit more on like the tomboy side or just in general however they want to dress they don't have to look like these instagram models like it's crazy to me looking at instagram sometimes and i'm like that girl's 18 I don't know if you guys remember this from a long time ago. Dave Grohl, who uh, obviously was in Nirvana, he kind of was sort of alluded to the fact that he sees Billie Eilish as a Kurt Cobain style person. And I, I think when I listened to this most recent single that just came out, obviously the whole album's not out until the summer and I'm excited for it. I think that I really am starting to get more and more of what he meant, like less about the music, literally what's coming out, but just she's such, like you guys were saying, a, a counterculture type person totally doing her own thing. There's no other writers in the room with her. It's just her and Phineas. No auto-tune on her music. It's like real. It's not to say that it spawned a generation or like a group of female artists because I think they've been around, but I think that a lot more artists that are writing their own music, producing it all like on their own are getting kind of attention because of her style of music is so popular. There's plenty of other artists that have a very similar sound and style that I think are also sort of capitalizing on the success of Billy. And in my opinion, she is like the exciting part in popular music, kind of heading into a bit of a indie rock. I don't know if you guys have heard the new single, but to me, when I hear it, I actually think of uh, like Cage Elephant's Melophobia album, which is like very indie. I don't know. I don't want to keep saying the word like indie rock, but that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's definitely a lot of nostalgia and there's a movement now towards just that raw talent, how you said. Mm-hmm. I think the music industry has obviously changed so much too because of Apple Music and streaming. Like it used to be the top songs is because someone would go into a record store and ask like the counter what sells. And that person is just going to say like, mm-hmm, whatever they are happen to be noticing that sells or whatever they actually like, they might push. But now it's so like analytical and based off your fame and your numbers. So it's, it's in some way kind of headed too far to like, I don't know how to say what I want to say. It's the whole viral culture is what yeah. it is now. So it's if you're getting success on TikTok, that equals numbers, that equals money. Mm-hmm. And that's just money makes the world go around. When I hear people say, especially that are rock fans, like say, not my parents, I, my parents are actually pretty good with their music. They're open to everything. But a lot of uh, that older generation will kind of say, like, there's no more good music anymore. There's no more. I just think it's so not true. Like there is so much good music. You just have to go looking for it. You hear someone like Billie Eilish, who I think is a, a once in a generation type artist. See, I think she is kind of the voice of that current youth generation. I'm curious to see how her music kind of grows up with her. And obviously we see her image changing. So I'm curious to see where that goes. She said in the interview that this is the best her voice has ever sounded. So I'm very excited actually to hear, because I always thought she had an incredible voice. And when you see her in concert, even, it's just almost even better just having that experience. But yeah, I'm curious to hear it. When's it coming out? Somewhere in July. Before we jumped on the podcast, I was like, I'm going to listen to a couple of Billy songs. I'll watch the video. And I literally listen to this girl sing and I'm like getting goosebumps. She's so talented. It's incredible. My Frisian. Yeah, yes. she's just incredible yeah. talent. She is. <laughs> if you like Billie Eilish, if you're someone who's young, okay, I really like this music. I like the themes. I like the sound. Go and check out Radiohead. Go and check, especially if you like this new album, check out some Cage the Elephant. I mean, Nirvana, obviously. I'm not going to deny the Beatles. There's so many good influence that she's pulling from. 
And I think what she is doing that's really cool to me is I think the music she's putting out is technically rock music, but she's pulling so much from like samples from hip hop and rap music, which once again, I think a lot of people will say, well, that's not rock music, but other bands have done it. Linkin Park did it 20 years ago and became a huge band. They had rap and DJs. And you see, actually, there's a lot of bands that use DJs in their music, but it's just not as obvious as when Billy is doing it. Go down the rabbit hole, look at who her influences are, because there's tons of good music there. If you could go back in time and see any band or artist that's no longer here, who would it be? Mm. That's tough. Mozart. Mozart. No, no, that's not my answer. I would have loved to see Jim Morrison perform live. I, I grew up I with think, a bit of an obsession for him kind of through high school. And I think Hendrix, probably. I grew up, my mom is a massive Hendrix fan. My dad, I grew up in playing the guitar for us, so Hendrix would be huge. Yeah, I can agree with all of those. I think Nirvana would have been really cool to see Kurt Cobain as well. I mean, anyone in that culture really that shaped that time. Exactly. And and even uh, Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse is a big okay, one. All three people we just mentioned are all the 27 Club. Kurt Cobain, Jim Morrison, Amy Winehouse. That's, that's the creepy stuff. Wait, didn't Janis Joplin? Yeah, she is. She Jimi is. Jimi Hendrix is also. I've watched his video playing at Woodstock so many times. Fun uh, fact, I feel like a lot of people don't know this, but do you know that song, All Along the Watchtower? Yeah. I was yeah. actually, you just took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> Most people think that that's a Jimi Hendrix song, but that's actually a cover. Well, fun fact for you guys, I don't know if you know, but originally it was written by Bob Dylan, who also I think would be on the must-see list. Like, he is very similar to Billie Eilish too, actually, just because of when he was so young. Billie Eilish, in her first album, everything she's writing about is kind of like being on your own, outside of this society. She's writing in such a mature way. And I think if you go back and listen to Bob Dylan, the songs he's putting out when he's 19 and 20 are very similar. Like he's talking about social change, huge scale stuff. Yeah. Does he perform ever still? Yeah, he had an album come out last year, I think, or early this year. I don't know off the top of my head, but he's still putting out music. Some people say he can't sing anymore, but, you know, I think <laughs> he could almost never sing. There's a couple artists that just have a sound. Have you guys watched The Dirt, that movie on Netflix? No, I haven't. Like, it's not the best movie ever made. It's not winning an Oscar, but it's interesting. And I don't know how those guys made it out. Like Ozzy Osbourne and the heavy, oh, okay. heavy rock guys. Yeah. The amount of booze and drugs. Like, oh. When Jim Morrison, that once, you know that movie um, with Val Kilmer? When he yeah, played, great it? movie. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, so that scene where he's all messed up on stage and he just keeps going with that. I forget what song it was. Yeah, there's so many instances with Jim Morrison where like crazy stuff happens when he's on stage or he just won't go on stage because all of a sudden he's just too out of his mind. But the band, if you listen to the records, when the band writes their music, they leave these huge long instrumentals in between their songs so that when they're playing live, Jim Morrison just keeps making stuff up like he's just going off on a limb. I don't want to say I'm 100% sure because I might be wrong, but I'm pretty confident that one of their songs, which is probably their biggest song called The End. He just made it up on the spot. Well, that's what he was playing in that scene. This yeah, it's, it's a must watch. It's really good. And Val Kilmer sings everything in that movie he's actually singing, similar to like when Rami Malek did Freddie Mercury. I'll send you guys a link. Literally called The Doors, by the way. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just looked on like I'm an idiot. Um, you have I to also- do, do when he does the, the end live because he's just like singing a song and all of a sudden he'll stop and he's looking at the ground. And he's like, there's a grasshopper here and he's chasing this grasshopper around. There's nothing there, of course. What was that Netflix documentary, the trip one, where everyone would oh. talk about celebrities talking about their high experiences? Like your bad trip or... or... Yeah, I still need to watch that. 
another show similar that's about comedians doing the almost very similar thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just did this interview with this guy named Ronan Levy, who's the founder of Field Trip Health, but they're leading the research in psychedelics as a form of therapy. And so he was talking about how it interacts with the brain. Obviously, all psychedelics, the three that fall under it are mushrooms or psilocybin, I guess would be the correct term, ketamine and MDMA, and how they give a big boost of serotonin in the body so that you have the immediate effect. But then what they're actually doing to your brain is that they're influencing neuroplasticity in the brain, which is the way that the brain functions when you're a kid and you're able to learn and create your imaginations running wild. So that's when you do these drugs as a form of therapy in a therapeutic setting, it actually unlocks that part of the brain and your brain stays in that state for like months at a time. I read the interview you did just right before because thanks for sending it to me. (laughs) I think the stuff that I found the most interesting was that definitely the neuroplasticity and I guess my question would be, does that increase the rate at which you could potentially learn again as an adult? But then more specifically, I was surprised to see that I think it was specifically with psilocybin you could do this very quick therapy session, like short therapy session, and then you could be good for five years. Like you don't have to keep it up, keep taking it and keep doing it. It's like you do your stint of however long, yes, once you communicate with your therapist and a doctor, whatever they suggest. And then the effects are so long lasting compared to something like a more common over-the-counter antidepressant, which could be something you have to take the rest of your life. It just seems... And not to mention the negative effects that often come with these prescription drugs too. So far, what they're seeing in their research, they're not seeing negative effects because it's administered in like a very controlled environment. You're in a room that's very conducive to the experience. You have a therapist assisting you through the journey. There's all sorts of software and stuff being developed now, music to actually help guide you so you look inward and it starts to physiologically heal your brain. So I think it's just keep an eye on, watch this space because he was saying that his cannabis boom opened up the roadway, I guess, for these industries now to become legal. And I think in the next couple of years, we'll see that as a very accessible form of treatment once all the approvals go through. And there's no addictive properties too, which is amazing. I was kind of surprised to see the, based on his point of view, the order that he foresees it kind of releasing. Like, it seems like he thinks uh, ketamine is sort of the most leading so far, which is just surprising me because I don't feel like I've actually heard anything about that yet, personally. Yeah, it's interesting. So ketamine you can get now already. That's already approved. I think the next one is MDMA and then uh, psilocybin. What's the approval process like? Like, Is it just within these therapy sessions or? I think they have to look at the data and I guess see how it actually impacts people long term. And I'm not really sure what the, if it's FDA or how that even works, but maybe we can have them back on the podcast to follow up. (laughs) He can come visit Toronto, Canada. I guess on that note, because we have to wrap up, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about Toronto, what you're most looking forward to when Toronto does reopen. Tash and I have the same answer. Oh, yes. Reposado. Yeah, I'll be there. Super. Yeah, Thursday uh, night. I think for me as a summer concert at Molson or Budweiser, whatever it's called, that's what I would like. <laughs> or Raptors game or like a La Palma patio in the summertime with a glass of wine. I don't know. What about restaurants? My favorite in the city before everything closed that I remember is Soul Shaker. So that's be one of my top ones. I've never been there. Soul Shaker is like Korean fusion kind of food. It's a very like dive type restaurant, but the food's great. So I'm just going to say good deer meats uh, in Scarborough. <laughs> great shawarma. Have you heard of Sara or Rasa, their sister restaurant? Yeah. yeah, the food dudes. 
Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. The ambiance, the whole restaurant, both of them is a really cool experience. Have I think, you guys ever been to Soso Food Club before it closed? Yeah. Did you know that? I think they closed their doors. Like, I think it's done because of COVID. I know it's like... That's the saddest part, but I'm hoping that everyone's just closing it temporarily and they'll reopen either under another name or something because... I have to say one thing Toronto does have is great food. There's so many great options and a very diverse range of cuisines that we have access to. Definitely underrated city for food. Like everyone thinks it's New York, but New York has great food. But We have a lot of very like authentic options is because of the diversity. Another big one that I'm sad about is Orbit Room. I never ever got the chance to go. It's another like jazz bar restaurant. I feel like I go to different places. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my recommendation was the least bougiest of all i'm like sending people to scarborough to eat but i'm telling you great shawarma especially if you're hungover drive down there on a sunday go for a walk on the bluffs it's a great activity where do you go for breakfast what's the breakfast move oh you know nothing beats the gold standard breakfast sandwich or i love the caffeine on breakfast sandwich too but lately i've been eating the gold standard one a lot more and i love it check okay. it out well thanks for tuning in everyone we'll see you again next week bye bye, bye. Thank you.